Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent, and I'm here today with David. Hello. And TJ. Hi. Hi. So we're going to be talking about what we've been watching, and then we're going to catch up on uh, recent news coming out of uh, the entertainment world. And uh, we're going to finish up by giving our suggestions as to what to watch this weekend at the movie theater. So, uh, does anybody want to go first with their... David, do you want to go first with your watch list? Sure. I'll go first with my watch list. Yeah, it's been a while since since we've we've heard a David watch list, so I'm excited. I'll go first with my watch list. I've got my, like, granola bars and case of water. (laughs) (laughs) Sit through David's watch list. Strap in. Um... Uh, I saw a couple movies. I saw um, watching a TV show that's going to conclude tonight, and uh, maybe we'll talk about some other stuff. But first, um, I, I was checking out some Filmstruck stuff. I was uh, I like looking at lists of like best movies ever. I was looking at the uh, AFI Top 100. It's probably the closest I am to watching it without uh, you know just a couple left, as as opposed to some other ones where I have like hundreds of movies to see, especially that thousand and one movies to see before you die. Yeah, I got time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how many have you seen out of that list? Do you think? Probably. A, a good bit. I'd say probably about 75 of them. Nice. Yeah, last time I looked, I was only at like 60. Mm-hmm. But one I saw that's really high, it's in the top 10, I'd never seen it before, was Singing in the Rain. What a delight. Yeah. <laughs> I've still never seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, I, I know it's good, and then I watched it, and it is better than that. <laughs> It's it's as good as as promised, and it is man. I just want to live in that movie. It's just so delightful. Gene Kelly is like I know he's a, a vintage Hollywood movie star, but that that guy is like pure charisma and physical genius. Yeah, man. We were uh, I thought about you a couple of days ago. We went to the theater at Landmark, the like indie art theater here in town, mm-hmm. and uh, they're doing a like in a couple of weeks eight movies about making movies. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about you, where you were like, I don't really like movies about making movies, but the first one they, they were like singing in the rain, and I was like, hey, David, like the one, <laughs> the first one they showed. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's incredible. Yeah. There's a lot of songs I know that are from that. It's actually I, I didn't know this. I looked it up afterwards. Most of the songs are from other movies from like the 20s and 30s. Huh, there's, there's not much that are original to it. Even singing in the rain does not appear for the first time in singing in the rain. Huh. It's, it's from like, it's from Nosferatu. It's from like <laughs> it's like from Broadway Melody of 1929, like one of those kind of movies. Yeah. But man, those set pieces, those dance scene set pieces are incredible. Like the Moses supposes his toes are roses scene. It's just so fun. Um, there's really the good. singing the rain part, which is which is great. Yeah. There's a um, good morning. Yeah. Which is really great with the three leads and Demby Reynolds in it. But also just like some stuff I'd never heard about, like the uh the intro scene where he talks about his uh his his past playing in conservatories. <laughs> really he's lying his ass off and he like grew up doing the <laughs> vaudeville. There's a vaudeville scene him and his like buddy Cosmo does. It's incredible. I'm always so impressed with vaudeville just that whole like genre. Even that like Vanessa Bayer shit she was doing on her last season as the vaudeville weather girl oh yeah so impressive mm-hmm. and hilarious yeah this this scene is great they're both playing violin and then they're just like dancing around and they start playing each other's violin and getting on each other's shoulders and it's just insanely physical yeah gene kelly is like i don't know if the, if he's rated or properly rated but he's super underrated at least for me makes me want to watch a whole bunch of other ones like i think he's in uh, american in paris or something like that mm-hmm and he's in other stuff, so it's uh, it's it's incredible. You finish it and it's insane. There's there's a like twenty five minute fantasy sequence just in the middle of it, where it's like the gotta dance scene. Yeah, and it's just like maybe we should do this uh, this thing, and then it's like twenty five minutes. And it's like eh, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> and then the the plot continues, and it's just oh my god, is it delightful. So highly recommend that if no, no one has talked to you if you haven't heard of Singing in the Rain, uh, <laughs> check it out. So worthy of a top ten list. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I saw in Filmstruck, it's uh, if you look up lists of like some of the best noirs ever, 
Uh, this one comes out. It's called Out of the Past. Mm-hmm. You guys heard of this? Mm-mm. Only through your letterbox. Sure. It's got uh, Robert Mitchum as like a classic uh, noir guy. He's like a, a private eye back in the day who kind of worked for this mob boss. And then he goes off and, uh, you know, this all happens like within the first scene. So you, you understand that he, he betrayed this mob boss who's a young Kirk Douglas who I only really remember Kirk Douglas and Spartacus and afterwards as being like, he's already like, I don't know, hardened and crusty by that time. <laughs> right. But he's like young and beautiful in this movie. <laughs> it's like 1947. And he uh, he takes over this gas station and he wants to be just the small town guy who forgets his past, but his past comes back to him. Like it does in a lot of noirs. And there's a, there's a dame to kill for in it. And there's, you know, betrayals, backstabs. And it's got some like the... Uh, the smartest like witty dialogue in it um let's see I got like some examples but uh yeah it's 1947 this says like uh what's a good one like some some dame says she can't be all bad no one is and then Bob Mitchum goes well she comes the closest just a bunch of like <laughs> quarter, clever little witticisms like that right. yeah it, it's really, uh, it, it's known for its dialogue and, and great scenes, and it just came to Filmstruck, and I saw on, like, uh, uh, film Twitter, a bunch of people were, were talking about it and posting their favorite scenes. I just, like, heard about it in name only. I didn't know anything about it. Um, highly recommend it. Especially if you have any any interest in film noir, it's it's a great one. Jacques Tenor, is that how you say his name? Yeah. Have you seen anything else is? I don't think so. He did a, a influential head of its time movie called Cat People. Back in the day? I've heard of cat people. Yeah. Kind of was like a, what it is. Yep. Um, that one's supposed to be pretty good. Not exploitation, but that's kind of what it looks like. It yeah. looks like the classic like B-movie. Yep. But just really good and uh, has some great uh, great vistas and stuff. He goes to this like little mountain town in California and does fishing and stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, highly, highly recommend it. It's nice to see Robert Mitchum in another mode besides being... Just insanely terrifying. The, the worst <laughs> fucking human alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah besides that, he's he's really good. He's, nice. he's uh, he delivers a lot of the one-liners and witty dialogue, incredibly on point. Yeah, highly recommend it. As other also saw a, a newer movie, not on Filmstruck. Um, I've been seeing online a bunch of the clips going viral for the new Sasha Baron Cohen movie. Yeah. Like, or not movie. No, uh, TV show. TV show, What is America? It's on Showtime, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we recently had a, a Georgia representative <laughs> that was on it. <laughs> not ours. Yeah. yeah. Highly, highly embarrassing. But, you know, that's what he does. So I went back and I saw with my wife, uh, Borat. With your wife? My wife. <laughs> yeah. With my wife. And I just wanted to know if it still stood up. Uh, when's the last time you guys saw Borat? Only, only the once. I've seen it a few times, but it it was all in like the first year. I bet, like, I bet it still stands up. Uh, a lot of it, anyway. Yeah, it it still stands up. It still had me like uh, laughing my ass off at yeah. a whole bunch of scenes, including a bunch of scenes I didn't even remember. <laughs> yeah, there was some stuff I know that like rubbed me the wrong way the first time that probably still would, like the frat boy thing. Yeah, just seemed like out of place. But I also think one of the, my favorite jokes in any movie ever is everyone know iPod Shuffle for girls. <laughs> so dumb. And funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really funny. I I forgot his entire scene. He goes to a car dealership because he needs to buy a car to to impress Pamela Anderson, of course. <laughs> and he's like, they told me uh, if I get a car, I need to get pussy magnet. He's like, no, a car is something that attracts women. It's like, if I give you a good price, you install pussy magnet? <laughs> He's like, no, that's not a thing. It's like, how much to get this pussy magnet? <laughs> is the, uh, is him at the Texas, like, hoedown bar? Is that in the movie or was that on the show? Um, he does go to a, uh, uh, like a honky tonk bar. The, is it the. Throw the Jew down the well song? No, I was I was looking for that. That's just from the TV okay. show. That was the irony there. I guess not irony, the satire of like all the racist people singing along with him. Yeah. It does have the great scene of him going out to the uh, the rodeo and saying, We support your war of terror. <laughs> Everybody's like, Yeah <laughs> Definitely a time capsule for for Bush era politics and all that stuff. Yeah. 
George Bush will drink the blood of every man, woman, and child. And everyone's like, yeah! It, it still holds up. It's still really funny. I think because uh, he's, he's uh, kind of playing against how horrible his humor is and what it allows people to kind of uh, uncover about themselves, yeah. I think that's what makes it hold up rather than being shock humor back in the day. Right. You know, because it's in character like that. Yeah. Um, still funny. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend rewatching it. It's still super smart. Um, and then a TV show I'm watching. I haven't heard any of you guys talk about it. I don't think anyone else is watching it, but I'm going to go on here to stand for uh, Succession. Have you guys heard it all about the HBO show Succession? No, Brian no. Cox. It's like a Rupert Murdoch type, uh, you know, uh, foreign guy who buys, who has this like conservative media empire and all these media holdings. And it's like uh, King Lear style, like who's going to inherit the crown kind of thing and hostile takeovers and stuff in corporate America. Hmm. It starts off like, okay, every character is pretty despicable and it doesn't seem like there's a way in. And by the fourth episode, it really finds its footing. And now it's like, it's one of my favorite TV shows of the whole year. Huh. It's probably like Atlanta, this, and Killing Eve are, are up there for some of the, my favorite stuff I've seen. Wow, fun. It's insanely funny. Never heard of it. It's I've like never heard of it. Yeah. Veep style insults with people, like insane uh, vulgarity, but really funny. Um, like this one guy in a business meeting is called like, well the Canadians call you the calamari cock ring. It's like, I, I don't know what that means. I was like, I think that they're calling me a cock ring. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> bizarre, uh, you know, vulgar humor. But uh, great performances in it, including, uh, man, I always like R- R- uh, Kieran Culkin whenever he shows up. He was great as Wallace in uh, Scott Pilgrim. He's good in Igby Goes Down back in the day, and he's really funny. He's just kind of a unrepentant douchebag guy. Yeah. Um, highly recommend it. It's going to have its uh, season finale by the time this airs. So if you got HBO Go, you can kind of uh, run through all ten. Sweet. I would say the first, like I said, the first three are, are enjoyable, but it's tough to find a way in. But after that, I mean, there's just some some showcase episodes there. Huh. Some great bottle episodes. I love when you can come across something like that that's kind of off the radar mm-hmm. a little bit. It's fun. Yep, and Brian Cox. Uh, love Brian Cox. Love Brian Cox. Right. This is something where he gets to have like a ton of fun, sucking all the gravity of the room and like dressing people down and just like chewing up scenery like he's at a show sounds like a buffet. good role for him. Yeah, yeah. He really sinks his teeth into it. <laughs> uh, besides that, uh, what what else have I done? Eh, not not too much. Um, I'll say in the other category, the category we're rarely allowed to go in. I've been looking, listening to uh, um, pieces from a podcast. Uh, you guys ever listen to or see on YouTube the Collider movie trivia schmodown? No. Yeah, it's uh, the Collider website. It's like Slash Film or you know any kind of like geek movie website. Mm-hmm. They have uh, ongoing movie trivia tournaments. Um, the highest profile guy that's in there is probably Sam Levine. He's like one of the all stars, but they have tag team matches. They have specialty matches, like just do Star Wars or just do like Middle Earth tournament. But it's uh, if you like trivia, which you might, because you like what we do on this podcast. You like movies, which I hope you do for listening to this podcast. <laughs> Stop listening. Otherwise, it's a yeah. fucking chore. <laughs> just really like our voices. Yeah, it's really fun. They got a great uh, a great um, format to it. You know, you can steal in the first round. And they have like a wheel of destiny type thing where you spin it for a category. <laughs> you know, you can spin it twice or do a, a you know opponent's choice. You got categories like actors or like uh, Meryl Streep's a category or directors or movie dates when movies came out. Oscars in there too, as well as like Star Trek, uh, Harry Potter, all kinds of all shit. the yeah. all the geek stuff. Yeah, hmm. the the Star Wars one went right over my head. Like first question, something David does not know. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's my knowledge. I wanted to remember what it was. <laughs> yeah. They, they do it in, like, a wrestling format. So, um, kind of like Mark Maron podcast style. I yeah. heard this funny joke Pete, uh, Pete Holmes said, that if I could invent a, a app that takes you immediately to the interview, I could make a million dollars of WTF. <laughs> it's kind of like that, because they do, like, a shit-talking, like... All right, Mean Gene, these guys are going to, you know, go down in flames, that kind of thing, for like 
20 straight minutes. And then the movie trivia is great. So Pete Holmes is trying to invent timestamps. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's mainly for, I think, for the time of the interviewers. I mean, you don't really you don't listen really to Mark Maron's podcast at all, but he's notorious for that shit. And yeah. like also like his interview with Boots Riley, the director of Sorry to Bother You, was mm-hmm. particularly funny because he he was talking to Bobcat Goldthwait about it. Uh, he was like, "Yeah, I was. I've been sitting here talking to Boots Riley for four hours, and Boots Riley was like." Hey man, I gotta go. Are we gonna like start the interview at some point? And Mark Mayer was like, oh, "I'm done. <laughs> We're good." That was the interview. <laughs> Just had you talking for two hours. Yeah, and uh, and to make this the Mark Marin cast, he starts his podcast off like talking about his cat or like something that's like stuck in his craw and does like essentially some you know on mic stand up about it while sipping coffee, and then like 15 minutes in, he'll actually interview the person who's on like the show heading. Yeah. He'll go on like a 10 minute rant about, you know, a lot of people listen to podcasts in their cars only or whatever. Just like random yeah. shit. But uh, yeah, I really enjoy movie trivia schmodown. Um, but especially if you can skip in your podcast. I guess it's not a Georgia commute friendly one because you're not allowed to touch your phone <laughs> yeah, right. in the middle of it. But uh, beside, aside from that, it's super fun. I can actually segue a little bit. Oh. From David's watch list. I watched the first two episodes of, I think it's IFC, original show, but Marin. Yeah. Have you watched any of that? I've, uh, yeah, I've seen like the first, maybe a whole season. Okay. It's a tough watch. It's good, but it's just, he's a depressing fella <laughs> on the on the show, anyway. You know, did you get to the episode with Kumail Nanjiani? No. Or the one with the, the troll? No. Okay. I, oh, I remember that episodes. one being pretty good. Yeah. I liked them. It's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's rough. But I'll, I'll let y'all know when I, when I finish up. I think I'm going to try to stick with that. Uh, I watch a shit ton of movies, but it actually won't take me long to talk about them. I did my, like, every two-year rewatch of the Harry Potter series. It's still really good. <laughs> it turns out. Anything different with this watch? Um... Not particularly. I, I was trying to focus more on the score and the lack of score this time through. Because last time I watched, I realized that there's no score in the Deathly Hallows movies <laughs> during a lot of the wand fights. Sure. And it's super cool. It's just like them running on leaves when they're stuck out in the woods. It really heightens the sense of, uh, like, I don't know, drama. The stakes. that It makes it... So much more real when there's not the 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 score. Dun, 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 dun. And like, right. And there's never a cheesy score. The scores in all those movies are really well done. But um, I don't know. I did notice this time that I feel like about halfway through Order of the Phoenix, which is my least favorite of the non-kid movies, mm-hmm. I still gave it four stars, I think. But um, that series takes an incredibly dark turn very quickly. Mm. I mean, it kind of starts with Cedric dying, I guess, in... Yeah, I think that. that's the turning point of this. Well, yeah, yeah it's the return of Voldemort. Yeah. yeah. But then, uh, one thing I don't remember for some reason, because I didn't ever like this movie a ton, but um, in the end of Order of the Phoenix, when he's fighting side by side with Sirius Black, when they're fighting uh, Bellatrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you kind of hear off to the side Gary Oldman say, like, well done, James. And he calls Harry Potter James. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's right before he dies. <laughs> You're like, fuck. Uh, that's heartbreaking. Um, that's good. Deadly Hallows Part 1 and 2 are both still just incredible ways to end a franchise. Like they're, that that franchise never uh, underdid, underwhelmed. What was your experience with the uh, young kid Chris Columbus movies this time? I gave them three and three and a half mm-hmm. uh, stars. They're not particularly good. The mm-hmm. kids aren't great. The end of Chamber of Secrets is good. The last, like, hour of that movie's good. But the first movie, like, the the chess scene and the big dog thing, they gotta fight. Snape being the big bad. It's just so hard to watch that movie with, like, Snape is so the villain in the first one. When you know that Snape's, like, the hero of the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to hard to watch that and not just be, like, dumbass kids. <laughs> the, the red herring off. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, even, like, when, in one film, like, I, I've seen the first two recently, and I need to see more uh, to run through the series again, but when you see, like, uh, is it the second one, where during the Quidditch match, they think Snape is, like, trying to curse Harry? 
Uh, or that's the first one. That's the that's first, first one. one. Yeah, that's Quiddle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So after that, like, there's so many times where it's like, it was Snape. No, it wasn't. And then he goes right back to, but what if it was Snape for this new thing? I was like, no, it wasn't. All right, but I think this one's Snape. And they do some <laughs> yeah. good foreshadowing. Uh, there's a scene in Order of the Phoenix where Lupin is pretty much yelling at Harry, and he's like. Snape's gonna do this thing. It's Snape. Snape's a bad guy. And Lupin was like, "That's when he goes. It comes down to do you trust Dumbledore? Dumbledore trusts Snape. I trust Dumbledore. Therefore, I trust Snape." Mm. And Harry's like, "Nope, it's Snape. He's the bad guy." And Lupin yells at him, gets in his face, and he's like, mm. "You're blinded by hate." And Harry's like, "No, I'm not." And he's like, "You obviously are." <laughs> every year, you're like, "Snape's evil." Fucking every, trust me, bro. <laughs> the end of every year, he turns out not to be evil. Which which is good when in Half Blood when he ends up killing Dumbledore, sure. you're kind of like, is that like vindication for our our hero? Right. So you finished the run. Yeah. Seeing all of them. All right. Tough question. Who do you think wins the series from the win the movie question? Woo! Actor or character? Like performer. Act the way we normally do it with actor. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I think it's Gambon. He's so fucking good. He is good. And the kids aren't particularly great. So, I mean, I think Daniel Radcliffe is the best, I think, out of the three. Mm. Um, and they're not bad. They're just not, like, jaw-dropping good. Yeah, they're just not trained. Yeah. They're, I mean, not, they're I, not experienced by that. I, I would love to pick Gary Oldman. He's great as Sirius Black, but he's only in, like, two and a quarter movies. Mm-hmm. He's not in a bunch. He's barely in Goblet of Fire, just as the fire voice thing. Mm-hmm. He's barely in... The titular role movie he's in, just sure. in the last like half hour. What about Rickman? He's great, F- fantastic. He's a probably number two for me. Cool. I just think the performance of Dumbledore in the movies three through seven are ridiculous. We talked about him last week on the podcast. It's so good. Yep, love it. The scene and when they're finding the first Horcrux, the first Horcrux that they're going to find in the cave. Mm-hmm. Where he's got to drink all the water and he gets like possessed almost, mm-hmm. and he's like begging Harry to. It takes like acting chops. It's yeah. so opposite from that character too. Yeah. Mm, so good. What about y'all? Y'all have seen it before? I mean, I know you haven't watched it recently. Hmm. I don't know. Gambon's a good pick. My guess would be I need to run through these, like I said, but would be Snape. Knowing the the turn, yeah. The first time I saw it all the way through, I never read the books, so I didn't know that his whole plot. And I'd be curious to, uh, you know, I've never really run through them again to kind yeah. of go through them and kind of see the, the the clues they drop, like you're talking about again, and see how he modulates his performance like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's got. That'd, that'd be my guess, but again, it's a guess because last time I saw it, like they were in the theater, you know. Right. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's got to be one of those two, really. I don't think I'm leaving anybody else out. Damn Maggie Smith. She's, she's good. McGonagall action. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I would go with... Mad-Eye Moody. Dumbledore. Yeah. 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 I don't know. The, the kid actors that always impressed me were the non-three. It was... Like, the kid who played Neville I always thought was a really good yeah. child actor. Mm-hmm. And the girl who plays Luna is hilarious. Yeah. I love that character. Mm-hmm. She's so off the wall, and she gives it such a weird performance. Yeah. Because she's supposed to be weird. There's one scene, I think it's at the end of Order of the Phoenix, when she's like, Hi, Harry, I'm looking for my shoes. She's <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> and then she finds them, and then she doesn't even get them. She skips the other way down the hall. Like, bye, Harry. Oh, Just there's making, they are. Just <laughs> making sure that... They're still there. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the the, the darkest point, I've, I've talked about this before, I know, with Brent, but to, to end the Harry Potter on a very sad note, uh, the, the darkest point of the film series for me is uh, the torture of Hermione off-screen in Deathly Hallows Part 2 in the very, very beginning when they're in the dungeon and you hear Bellatrix, what's the curse? The torture curse? Cruciatus? Maybe. I think that's right, yeah. But you hear her doing it to Hermione, and Hermione screams off camera. Mm. Fucking horrifying. Yeah. Scary shit. Anyway, good thing magic's not real. <laughs> yeah. 
But if it was, I want to be friends with Maggie Smith. <laughs> she seems to got it. She got it under control. Um, I rewatched a, a one movie called Super Bad. We've talked about it a few times, just with Emma Stone and her rise to stardom. But uh, it's fun. I wonder how much of that movie, though, I loved as a kid because of the like dream of cool cops. Yeah. <laughs> like closer to when I was like twenty years old and drinking underage. I was like, man, this would be great if cops were like that. And now I'm like, oh, I don't really care. I kind of want cops to be responsible. <laughs> 32 years old now. But yeah, don't, don't, drive around, don't drive teenagers around and get them wasted, please. <laughs> um, yeah, no. it's, it's a, last time I saw it, I still think it's an all-timer comedy. Yeah. The, it's hilarious. It's a good like intro <laughs> to that like Judd Apatow kind of mumblecore dialogue. Mm-hmm. Just the back and forth between Sarah and uh, Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. Who's most likely to be nominated for an Oscar of any kind out of that cast? Who's most likely to be third after Jonah Hill and Emma Stone? Who are the cops? Bill Hader, Seth Rogen. That's pretty much your choices. I'll go Bill Hader. Yeah, I could see I could see Bill Hader being you know, what writing to maybe, mm-hmm. not Christopher Mintz-Plasse. No, probably not. Yeah, fall from <laughs> whatever. I was saying Grace, but I don't even know if that was what that was. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I might go. Uh, he's got a little, like a cameo because he wasn't popular at all yet. But I might go a little Davy Franco with my yeah. pick, Baby Davy. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, I probably would have said uh, Michael Sarah. Yeah, he's kind of just doing his own thing there. He doesn't really give a shit about anything else. That's true. He just did get, uh, I don't really follow them, but he got a Tony nomination this year. Oh, weird. Yeah. So well, he's got a like, horrible voice for a stage. Yeah, I don't think it was a musical. I think it was a play. <laughs> yeah. He, he was doing a, uh, uh, what's his name? Kenneth Lonergan play. Huh. I didn't know that. Neat. Uh, oh, it's another movie. A uh, five-star movie I've never seen. From 2013, The Spectacular Now, which I will go on record. Apologies, Miss Woodley, if you're listening, but I have trouble with movies that she's in. I don't like them. Mm. I don't like kind of what she brings to the table, but I love Miles Teller and I love Brie Larson. And uh, so I gave it a shot and it was fucking amazing. Brie's in it? Yeah. Was uh, was Shailene Woodley good in it? Yeah. Good. I enjoyed her a lot. It's a very accurate tale of the like kind of know-it-all girl graduating high school and the like party guy who doesn't really care what he does afterwards but smarter than he looks kind of thing Brie Larson plays like the it girl who was Miles Teller's girlfriend before the movie starts they Mm -hmm. break up just before the movie starts Mm. Um, she's great obviously yeah what genre is it is it like a it's like a coming teen. of age or yeah romantic comedy thing or more dramedy than straight like comedy okay uh, but definitely kind of a good coming of age mix in there as well not to make you look it up if you don't know but do you know who directed it um I have it right here I feel like they did something later hopefully they weren't <laughs> blacklisted due to this movie <laughs> maybe they pulled Ooh. out <laughs> <laughs> oof uh, yeah, James Ponsalt directed The Circle. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he also directed The... End well, of the Tour? Yeah, The End of the Tour. I like that movie. Yeah, I want to see that. It looked really good. But, yeah, Spitfire Down was really good. Miles Teller's great. Kyle Chandler's in it. Hmm. He's fantastic. Dang. And uh, Bob Odenkirk, not particularly good, but he's in it, so it's fun. Hmm. It's been in my queue for a while, and I just keep forgetting about it, because I think the cover is just like trees or something I always looks, forget what it is <laughs> well I was telling Brent last night about it and he was like oh I think I thought the fault in, your, the fault in Our Stars and Spectacular Now were the same movie and I was like yep we kind of me too and that's I, I haven't seen The Fault in Our Stars and I probably won't because I don't want to be saddened to death but I kind of never picked the Spectacular Now for the same reason and I was like eh. yeah what is it about Shailene Woodley I feel like so many people have such a thing against her I watched I, those detergent movies and they sucked. So <laughs> I just got tired of her face from those, I guess. 
Yeah, and Fault in Our Stars is such a weepy. I think the last thing I liked her in was uh, Descendants. Yeah, she's really good. Big Alexander Payne fan and yeah. liked her in that. That was, that was like ten years ago. I was so. going to say, she was like a little kid there. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her in The Descendants. And I actually liked her in the first of the Allergent movies. Um, but uh, I liked her not... I didn't really love the movie enough to ever watch another one, but... That's Miles was, Teller too, right? I thought she was pretty good in it. I don't know. I think Miles Teller's in that. It's in the face yeah. team yeah. guy. I think uh, Elgort might... No, he's not in it. I've had a wild hair about me just to go down the uh, YA dystopian things. Like yeah. the Divestiture series and also like the... <laughs> I had a wild thing to see uh, the Maze Runner movies. <laughs> I've had an inkling to go see those just because it's like... The Maze Runner, Maze Runner, the... The Scorch Trials and then Maze Runner, The Death Cure. <laughs> it's like those are some impressive subtitles. I, was, I don't know why it's called the Maze Runner I series. Was, I was really disappointed. I was actually kind of kind of excited to because I didn't know anything about that story. And uh, the first movie hit HBO, and I was kind of excited to to get in and and watch it. I thought, ooh, a maze that sounds really fun. Like they're lost in this maze and they're trying mm-hmm. to get through. And uh, this. Uh, the main character gets dropped into the uh, arena, sort of, and he meets the other contestants, and the first five minutes of the movie, they're just like, okay, so we're in this maze, and he's like, okay, and then they all say, we've already got it mapped out. And I thought, why is that not the movie? <laughs> I didn't want to see this part. So it's, it's just... To be, to be fair, they did sell you, it's the maze runner. <laughs> They gotta figure Another it out, and then we're just running it, running it back and forth. Uh, <laughs> the I want to see this movie reminded me of I watched this interview with Damien Chazelle, John Favreau, Donald Glover, and Lin-Manuel Miranda. It was real funny. Wow. They got a little round table. Yeah, a lot of talent at that yeah. table. <laughs> but uh, it was real funny. <laughs> Donald Glover was talking about gangs in movies in the eighties. He's like, it's always like two white guys, two Mexican guys, two black guys. They're all wearing like different color bandanas. Like, you got two guys from Brentwood, two guys from Inglewood, two guys from East L.A. Like, I want to know the origin story of that gang. How the hell did that come to be in 1983? Like, goddamn dog lover. You're brilliant. So, so good. Yeah. Just that life. But, yeah. Uh, another movie I know will uh, tie in the Brent's watch list, I think. Ooh, we're full of segues today. Yeah. We're, do- we're doing the segues well. Aside from saying them, <laughs> announcing them every time. <laughs> Segway. Uh, I went to the theater. I saw not Fahrenheit 9-11 and not the movie we're going to talk about in the next podcast. I saw Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay. You saw it too, right? Brent? I also saw this movie. <laughs> What'd you think? I've had to be put on muscle uh, relaxers ever since this movie just to, so I don't God. kick everything in my in sight. <laughs> this was the most... It was, it was the most fun I've had at a movie theater in ages. Oh, wow. Ages. It's my favorite movie of the year so far. Wow. Easy easy number one of the year for me so far. So is it your favorite Mission Impossible? It is my favorite, I think. Yeah. I would need to revisit one. But I don't know I don't know if one just has like such memorable scenes with the helicopter train scene, the Langley. The Langley scene, which is like they'll be showing that at Oscar Rills in a hundred years. And the opening scene I think is really good. Yeah. But I would have to revisit it. It's definitely the best since that one, though, for sure. I, I remember three, four, five really well. I actually liked four and five better than the first one. Yeah. I, I, I liked the first one a lot. I was a huge fan. Which yeah. one's the Brad Bird one? Is that four? It's uh, Ghost uh, Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Yeah, I like that one a lot. It was good. They've done a really good job with that franchise. I mean, it's great. Besides two, two is not good. Yeah, two's two's real bad. And three's not great, but it's saved by. What I, what yeah, I always he, said was the best villain of the franchise, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. But I think Henry Cavill was great. Oh wow, that's that's surprising. Yeah, he does that thing where he cocks his arms, and it's super intimidating and cool. Yeah, I've seen him in like memes and commercials, like, oh fuck! Somebody did that to me in a bathroom. I'd be like, oh my god, you win! I'm sorry, my arms are just regular arms. I don't have shotgun arms. <laughs> I'm just going to <laughs> I got spaghetti arms um, Yeah, that movie is uh, 
it's really not close to being the same kind of movie as number one. Number one is a spy movie. This uh, is this is this is a pure action movie. It's fucking yeah, Temple of Doom. It like, is it is yeah. relentless with the action. Yes. I was in a state of constant fear for Tom Cruise's well-being. <laughs> I was not the character, actual Tom Cruise. Actual Tom Cruise. <laughs> I think he wants to be buried in a Mission Impossible. When it, it was just astonishment at some of the had some some of the most beautifully shot action scenes I've ever seen. Um, you know, whether it's Tom Cruise dangling from a ceiling or Tom Cruise dangling from a helicopter or Tom Cruise dangling. From a airplane, or dangling from a participle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's just yeah. Literally, like cussed out loud many times at theater. Like, I mean, Henry Cavill straight up gets struck by lightning in the air, just falling out of the sky. Blah! I was like, oh god. Yep. And it just superpowers him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he punches the lightning. In the face. Superman origins. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's. There are, there are moments when you think, okay, downtime before the next fight scene, but downtime only lasts about 25 seconds or so. <laughs> and then, yeah, you it was it was exhilarating. It has a, it's a two-hour roller coaster ride, man. Any uh, performances stand out, or is it just the action stands out? I mean, Henry Cavill's really good in his role, I think. Mm-hmm. Um like what you said last night about Tom Cruise. And, yeah, so this movie had me reevaluating. Uh, David's going to laugh at this. Uh, I, I'm on board, man. This had me reevaluating my criteria for, for best actor. <laughs> because he is obviously not going to have the dramatic performance of the year. He's I've probably seen a better dramatic performance already this year. I don't right. even know what it is, right. but I've probably seen one. He doesn't have much to do in this movie other than... But at a certain point, an actor's willingness to risk life and limb is really impressive. I mean, it is a it is the most physical performance I've seen since, like, Douglas Fairbanks and Buster say, Douglas Fairbanks and Buster Keaton are still great actors, and I think Tom Cruise belongs in that conversation. I heard something on a podcast, and it, it makes a lot of sense now, that through the course of the Mission Impossible franchise, Tom Cruise is turning himself to Jackie Chan. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's incredible. And when he runs, it looks like the motherfucker is running like 40 miles an hour. <laughs> just across buildings. Just knife hands. There's like the literal like montage of him just sprinting across building tops. Mm-hmm. And it was great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they use the... Uh, so, I don't know. Have you... Uh... I know you, you've probably heard that he broke his ankle during mm. filming. Yeah, you see him limping on it. And they use that uh, take. Yeah. He gets <laughs> which, up off the building and just like limps off the street. <laughs> the pro of all pros, Tom Cruise, finishes the take after he breaks his ankle. <laughs> jumping onto a building ledge. It's just aliens. Pulls himself up and you just see the, the right foot just sort of dangling as he just like pulls himself to the point where they can say cut. <laughs> Oh my god, if I'm just walking in the house and my ankle goes sideways, I just like go to the ground like a turtle. Like, now everybody help me. Yeah. So it really did like, I, I, it made me wonder like, obviously I'm more impressed with dramatic act, uh, acting typically, but at what point, like, at what limit, at what bar does physical acting have to clear for me to be as impressed. And in all seriousness with that, I know all, all four of us at Talkie Talk are on board with this, but there has, there needs to be an Oscar for stunt work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's kind of shameful that there isn't. It's such a huge part of movies yeah. in the past 40, 50 years. It's already a uh, SAG category and an Emmy category. Yeah. It definitely needs to be recognized on, on the big stage, I think. Like a stunt ensemble Oscar. Because that would definitely need to go to crazy ass Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. He's insane, and, and and the roles it's it's just the right amount of everything. Like Alec Baldwin's good. Tom and Peg is good. The comic relief is done really well. Um, how's, how's my girl Vanessa Kirby from The Crown? Loved her in it. Uh, I really. She's the blonde. Yes. Okay. She is great and beautiful. Yeah. Like exotically gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Rebecca Ferguson's also really good, again, in this movie. She was in the last one. Yeah, she's a revelation in uh, Rogue Nation. Is that it? The yes. The one she was in? Yeah. 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 Um, 
Simon Pegg's such a good fit for that movie. That franchise. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great cast. Yeah, I was telling uh, I was telling Al that uh, who uh, who you'll hear on the next podcast. He's gonna be joining us. Yeah, uh, but uh, I was telling him I, I saw it with him at the, the movie theater. We uh, we went to a uh, a Dolby theater, mm-hmm. Dolby Cinema, and that was my first experience with a Dolby movie, and uh, it was it was really really cool. Mm. Um, don't know if it would be worth the ticket price, which is around fifteen dollars, for a non-action movie. But it was it was really great. But I, I was telling him after the movie that uh, I think in the era of CGI, I have I don't really feel concern for characters as much as mm-hmm. I possibly did when I was a kid. Sure. And this movie definitely reversed that. Like. I feel concerned for act- for characters in a dramatic way, maybe, but not like a visceral, like, uh, action-adventure kind of mm-hmm. manner. Because I just, I don't know, it all looks so clean and everything, and so... But this movie, I was just terrified for parts of this movie, seeing some of the way they were shooting these scenes. Mm. I could physically tell that I'd watched it. For like a good three hours after I came out of the theater, just from like constant like <clears throat> like kind of flinches. My recommendation to anyone if you haven't seen it yet is to preferably take an Uber to this movie <laughs> because the I got behind the wheel of a vehicle right after seeing this and definitely thought I was invincible for a little while. <laughs> I really wanted to like get in the car and I wanted I looked at the car and I was like oh, I could totally slide across the other car. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, got it. Uh, definitely 100% recommend getting out and seeing this one if you have time though. Don't wait. It deserves a pick a good theater and go go see it. Yeah. Very cool. Very exciting. When I, uh, summer, I guess, I guess it's still summer. Well, summer blockbuster really delivers on, on the hype. Yeah, it was great. I saw a review when it had its premiere a couple of months ago and the guy was like, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think it's the best action movie in the past 20 years. And I was like, whoa. Like, that's a, a big statement, but sure. And I saw it, and I was like, oh, if you're talking about it, like, if you're describing the action and not the film, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because there's so many scenes. Movies with action in them, and yeah. there's movies that are action. Yeah, if you call, like, <laughs> Return of the King an action movie, which I guess you can if you want to, yeah, it's better than this. But D- Don't do that. Don't be lame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you do, stop it. I like action movies, like... Return of the King. <laughs> yeah. The Last Waltz. Titanic. <laughs> if, if that's your, like, favorite action movie, there's so much wrong with you. <laughs> uh, is it my turn now? Did you complete? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Good chorus. So, yeah, I, I, just watched a, I just watched a few movies. I finally got around to seeing uh, a couple movies that I've been wanting to see for a long time. Ooh. Uh, Get Shorty. Never saw Get Shorty back in the day. Yeah. And that movie's fun. It is fun. It's just a... I like that movie. It's... it's. I, I feel like the, the word that comes to mind is snappy. That movie just sort of zips along and it's light and airy and fun. Very snappy. Yeah. A lot, um, a lot of fun little performances in it too. Yeah. My favorite scene in that movie is uh, Chili Palmer, John Travolta's character, giving acting tips to Danny DeVito. Uh, he's... Uh, telling him he's trying to play like this uh this shylock this heavy mm-hmm. if you will and uh devito's trying to he's trying all these different facial expressions and none of them are quite right and devito's playing like this uh you know acting hollywood mm-hmm. actor but uh it's uh it was really fun uh and then i watched be cool and that movie made me wonder if Get Shorty should have even ever been made. <laughs> Be Cool is awful. awful. I, I think I tried to warn you when you said, does anyone have Be Cool? Yeah. I think I was like, oh, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it was I really bad. I saw that in theaters. <laughs> David's like, let me know if anyone does, I'll come burn the copy. It, it was really bad. There were two two parts of the movie that I thought were okay, and that was The Rock. Yes, he's funny. He's really funny. And uh, Andre 3000. I actually liked his character in the movie. Who's he again? He's uh he, he plays uh 
sort of the main thug for Cedric the Entertainer. Mm, yeah. He his uh, his shtick is he keeps accidentally shooting people with his gun. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the movie he sh- shoots somebody fairly important and uh they everybody just looks at him and he says I don't know, man. You know what I do. I, you just shouldn't give me a gun. <laughs> and it's just his his delivery is very funny. I feel like nobody in that movie knows what they're doing really, except for the two of them. Yeah, The Rock is a cowboy. That's like a gay cowboy. Yeah, it's still something I remember. It's like the early ascent of can, uh, The Rock's actually pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, but man, it is it's so hard to watch those movies back to back because. The, there are it is like they are repeating every joke from Get Shorty in a new in a new way. It's really bad. It's like fifteen years later, but uh, John Travolta's hair gets younger. <laughs> is it that much later? Nah, so I don't think it's so. Oh five. I think it's nine or ten years after Get Shorty. Ninety five. Ninety five to five. Yeah. Because um, it was after. It was just after Pulp Fiction. After he made his big comeback with yeah. Pulp Fiction. But uh, definitely recommend Get Shorty, and I recommend stopping there, like most people. Um, Be sensible. Not cool. <laughs> last night, I, uh, it was a rewatch. I uh, My wife put on this movie, and it's the first time I'd seen my it wife. in a long time. <laughs> Do it. But uh, I saw Dirty Dancing. Oh, weird. I just saw Footloose for the first time. I didn't talk about it, because... You saw what? Footloose for the first uh, time. I just put those movies together. You've never seen Footloose? Wow. Um, Dirty Dancing. I think it's the most I'd ever enjoyed that movie. Hmm. <laughs> I really liked it. Both of those I don't think I've seen all the way through, but I know the entire movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, catching it here and there and just being culturally aware. Yeah. I don't so, know if I've seen it all the way through. Because was the one who told me to watch Footloose because, inexplicably, the remake came on. And I was <laughs> oh, like, yeah. what is this? Because the remake, have anybody seen any of the remake? It's, there's, it's them all dancing at like a field party but they're all like line dancing to Footloose in the movie and I'm like what is this and then like a bunch of them die and I'm like what is going on what is this movie and that's like the catalyst for the enacting the law I really want to know of illegal dancing which is just so dumb I really want to know if in the new movie if they have whoever plays the main character uh, Ren is that his name Uh, whoever plays him I wonder if he has the barn Fighting invisible people dance that I call it the yep. never 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 never. He's just like punching and kicking a he lot, does. and then there's a cutaway where he does like double back handsprings <laughs> like a Olympic gymnast. That's the part in Footloose where you start to wonder if it's serious at all. Like if it's so, is this a joke. <laughs> this is the baby laugh really loud. You know the scene in original Footloose with the chicken scene with the uh, tractors. Yeah. Okay. So the the equivalent of the bad guy in this gets in a tractor and he's like, let's see how you feel about this and starts driving toward New Ren. And then he just turns away and puts the tractor in park and he's like, we race those buses every week. We're going to have a bus race. I was like, why don't you drive a tractor like 10 feet? (laughs) 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 You literally drive a tractor from like there to there to be like, we race those buses. Hold on. Also, also, it's like, uh, it's it's like slower than a walk. Also, there's like we gotta we gotta ramp it up from tractors. What's the next slowest thing? <laughs> Buses. Man, they explained the uh, this this might need to get edited out, but he's like, we do a figure eight bus race, and he draws an eight in the ground. He's like, two parts you gotta worry about the turns and the intersection. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Well, doing buses because our blimps are being repaired right now. Our zeppelins. We ride giant swans. We got to drive out to the coast. Got a couple of ocean liners. Whose giant sloth makes it to the top of the redwood first? We're king of the tree. <laughs> Don't you dare dance up there! It's so good. There's two parts you gotta worry about: the turn and your slug dying of old age. <laughs> yeah, salt. One thing you gotta worry about is the algae on the coat of your sloth. It gets real slippery. Oh god, it hurts my, my laughing muscles. Oh, but yeah, two things you gotta worry about on the zeppelin. <laughs> Everything and hydrogen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fire.
fire and air. Any bird or anything in the air at all. <laughs> anything you see. Anything you can see. Anything in the hydrogen. Yeah, anything you can see and hydrogen. Those are the two things you need to worry about. Makes sense. <sighs> well, let me wrap up my watch list real quick. Uh, watched uh, yes. this was a this was a rewatch of a movie I'd seen years ago. It is considered a classic. Uh, I do think it's a must-watch movie. I was though somewhat unimpressed with the story and theme of the movie, but obviously very impressed with the filmmaking of Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. Hmm. I was. Uh, I feel like that movie loses a lot of steam after the procedure. Sure. And there's still a lot of movie to go after the procedure. Yeah, I guess in my mind, it's been a while since I've seen it. A common mm. refrain on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, I, I just remember it ends very shortly after that, but I guess it doesn't. That's like, I guess there's more runway. Yeah, it's a, I think the procedure happens about an hour into it. Yeah. What's the uneasiest part of that movie for you? Oh, it's, I mean, it's the... Is it? The violence and rape at the beginning. Okay. For me. There's some people that... It's, it's the procedure. It's the, like... The eye? Yeah. 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 And I never really felt... I mean, it was hard to watch, but... It's an evil guy that's happened to, so I'm not, like... Yeah, and Worried about it. And, and I, I... I think the movie kind of... I think it kind of loses its focus a little bit, just because it's... It, I think the way it frames Alex is, is it... It kind of makes us root for him to an extent in the movie... Yeah. And I felt uncomfortable with that. I think that's probably Kubrick's goal. There. To make you uncomfortable? I mean, it's Kubrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think everything's deliberate. Obviously, it's Kubrick. So, I know there's nothing accidental in the movie. I also think that's kind of a recurring theme in some of his. Like, even with like movies like Doctor Strangelove, you kind of don't know who your the good guy is. Yeah. You know? But, it's definitely worth seeing for its... its uh, I don't know. Presentation. It's unique. Yeah. yeah it's very unique. Culturally very significant too. How was Malcolm McDowell's performance? He was really good. He's really good in the movie. I, that was something that I had not really remembered that uh, how how good he was, but Yeah, I wouldn't be able to comment on it. So you can see it again. Yeah. It's on uh, it's on Filmstruck if anybody's interested. The, a couple of Kubrick movies just got added. It and uh, one that I've never seen, I've always wanted to see, Barry Lennon. Me too. It's, uh, too. it's finally on Filmstruck. And so, famously not, only lit by like candles, like natural light. Oh wow! And it's a lot of the scenes are shot based on like uh, artwork. Mm-hmm. I want to say they're staged mm-hmm. with, like people in paintings. Wasn't the was the Churchill movie from last year only lit by natural light, or was that just like most of the scenes were only lit by natural light? Maybe I mean they're also lit in, lit by light bulbs and stuff. Not I guess extra light. But light that would have been in the room. Oh, there were some scenes that had light bulbs and they stood out, I guess, like them in the basement and shit. Because mm. I think a lot of that, I remember one of the interviews I saw with, not Jeffrey Wright. Who's the director? Joe. Joe Wright. Joe Wright. Um, <clears throat> Joe, Joe Wright. That he was trying to, like, keep it honest with, like, some of the Blitzkrieg power outages mm-hmm. and shit. But, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that wraps up our watch list. Um, the band shows. Yeah, we're gonna take a little uh, before we get to breezy on the streets. Uh, we'll let some of our local listeners know about our two favorite bands, and uh, they've got some uh, some shows coming up. Burifa, Burifa, Burifa. They're gonna be playing at Ten Roof Cantina on Friday, August seventeenth, for you Atlanta folks. Uh, I will be there for sure, and uh, we'll but see. Who is there is more there. than one tin roof, or is it just it's the, the one about you? Okay, it's uh, so it's tin roof on uh, at Briarcliff and North Druid Hills Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers. They're gonna be playing September fourth. That's Tuesday at uh, Smith's Old Bar with the Yawners. The Yawpers, I think. I may have. That's, I made the doc, so it'll be my fault if it's a typo. There's a typo. <laughs> the Yoppers. You do a, a, an alt. Yeah. Do both. With the Yawners. <laughs> With the Yoppers. <laughs> the O'Neaters. <laughs> yeah. Let's face it. Willow Walkers are the they're the, they're they're the big ticket. Yeah, they're the they're, they're, the, get, they're the reason you want to get in the door there. Yeah. But. So, uh, 
So yeah, yeah go, go check those shows out. Burifa and Willow Walkers. Uh, Burifa, August 17th. Willow Walkers, September 4th. Uh, we love the music they provided for us, so we love them. Yeah. Yes. We want you to love them back. Breezy on the streets. Breezy on the streets. <laughs> What's the news, Breezy? We'll try to go quickly. We've uh, got a couple of new trailers that we're uh, interested in. Uh, first off, If Beale Street Could Talk. It's a trailer for the new Barry Jenkins Barry movie. Jenkins. Who yeah. uh, you would know from Moonlight. Yeah, I didn't really need to be convinced to go see anything Barry Jenkins does. I was going to see it anyway. Yeah, but goddamn, that trailer's so good. Damn. <laughs> It's beautiful. It was really quite a little short film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, the trailer alone made me bump out somebody in my August predictions for Best Actor and just put that guy in. Yeah. I was like, man, he looked really good. I guess I didn't. I haven't been following it that much because I just know I'm going to see it anyway. Right. I had no idea Regina King was going to be in it. Yeah. I love her. Yeah, and I had too. no idea Brian Tyree Henry was in it. Yeah. And I love him. Every trailer I'm seeing, there's like just more people that are awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, Moonlight was my number one movie of the year that year. It was probably top ten for all of us that year. Um, it's really good. So excited for anything he puts on the table. Mm-hmm. There's also a new trailer for a new Nicolas Cage movie called Mandy that uh, we just watched before the podcast. And <laughs> fucking weird. What are you hunting? Fucking evil! <laughs> Fucking evil! I don't think he says that, but it's something like that. Might as well. Might as well. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm so in for that movie. It's like a... Yeah, I mean, what, check out the trailer. The trailer's pretty horrifying at times. It's kind of like a... Like a Rob Zombie Hellraiser Nicolas Cage action movie? Yeah. Itch. There's a scene in the trailer when he forges his own weapon... And that's the moment where they just went ahead and collected my ticket money right there. The yeah. movie makes the woods look fucking scary. I don't want to go in the woods now. <laughs> Nicholas Cage has got his like hell axe <laughs> <in> there. <laughs> fucking evil. <laughs> I hope that's in the movie now. Uh, also, I'll I'll mention when I when I saw Mission Impossible, I saw a trailer for a movie called Overlord, which I thought looked uh, interesting. It's a. Uh, uh, a few American troops get stranded behind enemy lines in World War II, and they run across a Nazi uh, experimentation factory mm. where uh, super soldiers are being created. This movie could suck, but it also looks interesting, and it has the potential to be. It, has a, it had a really good trailer, I thought. Who's in it, or who directed it? I actually don't... I don't think I recognized hardly anyone in the movie. Hmm. Um, it's from... I think it's a new director. I think it's uh, it's produced by J.J. Abrams. Okay. I wonder, I wonder why it's called Overlord. Isn't that D-Day? Yes. Weird. Yeah. It makes it seem like, uh, the trailer makes it seem like it's going to be one thing, and then it turns into more of oh, okay. a horror escape movie, which mm. is fun. Um, uh, as far as news goes, we've uh, we got a new uh, confirmed cast member in the Joker movie, Mark Maron, who we talked about earlier going to be in the Joker movie, because why not? Inexplicably, yeah, I don't know. I'm really interested in what this movie does. Yeah. Now. As as opposed as I always have been to this movie's this, existence. Which Joker movie is this? Is this the Joaquin Phoenix one? Yes. Who's doing this one? Is this the one it's Todd, Todd Phillips. Phillips is doing? Yeah, it's Todd Phillips. Fucking bizarre. And it's Produced, so weird. Produced by Martin Scorsese. Directed and written by Todd Phillips. Yeah. Of Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Sound editing by a cat. <laughs> <laughs> written by Stephen Sondheim. Written <laughs> by Stephen Sondheim, yeah. Score by John Williams. Junior. Junior. <laughs> Junior. John John Williams. Uh, <laughs> John 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 Boy Williams. Uh, so, obviously, just stay uh, stay aware of that movie and its weirdness. His son is William John Williams. <laughs> Sorry. Is that a William Carlos Williams joke? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Uh, the Minecraft movie is officially in development hell. Oh, no. Thank God. Yeah. Please, stay there. Stay there. Yeah, lost its writers, lost its director. That They're sucks. starting over. That was going to be Rob McElhenney from Sunny. Yeah. That would be the only reason I'd be interested in it. And obviously, we're not the target demographic for this movie, but yeah, now I have not. no shred of interest left for it. Sorry. 
I don't know. They're gonna come back. And it's gonna be like produced by Martin Scorsese, directed by Tacos. <laughs> <laughs> like why? It's like a cinematic catamari, just taking random people and making movies. <laughs> produced by Michael Bay, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. <laughs> Minecraft. Uh, Michael Bay is producing a movie about an evil podcast. <laughs> just saying. And it's a Merchant Ivory production. <laughs> period piece um what's this about a new fx show yeah so uh it's been news for a while and i think david and i both read the book uh why yeah why the last man yeah it's a post-apocalyptic movie about the last man on earth pretty much and his mm-hmm. little pet monkey his capuchin yep uh ampersand right the yeah monkey. the name of the monkey so some casting came out for that show i mainly put it on there because i know me and david are fans of the books yeah, it's been, they've been trying to make this for years and years and years. So, Diane Lane, Imogen Potts, and Timothy Hutton, not as why. No. So, I don't know what he'll be. I'm sure, like, flashbacks. Flashback yeah. dad or something. Because there ain't no room for him in the in the current times. No, we the last man. He the last, why the last man? <laughs> Do we know who's playing a uh, main character? I don't think so. I don't think they've... That, that'd be the big one. Yeah. But, anyway, that could be good. It's and, an incredible uh, uh, graphic... Or just, I think just comic book series. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, it's fun. And then finally we have uh, the fourth season of Fargo has been uh, announced. It's going to be set where? Kansas City. Kansas City is going to start Chris Rock. In the 1950s. In yeah. The 1950s. Again, like it's kind of like the Barry Jenkins thing. Like I didn't need anything to convince me to watch more Fargo. Yeah. I still haven't seen season two and three, and I'm sure I'll love them when I get around to it. I did read a little bit of the synopsis. Of this one? Yeah. Season four? So there's like always some kind of tenuous connection. There's a book that they read in uh, in the Fargo series. It's like true crimes of the American Midwest, uh-huh. and one of the stories is from Kansas City. And there's like this whole big synopsis. Like back in the fifties, Kansas City was a big mobster hub, you know, uh, for running whatever. Like you had these hubs in Chicago and stuff, but Kansas City was pretty big. And Chris Rock, as kind of an uneasy alliance ends up giving his only son to a mobster, and his mobster gives his son to Chris Rock. So that, like, it's kind of like, well, not to spoil Lucky Number Slevin, but, you know, that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. Where that's how they assure that... You can spoil Lucky Number Slevin. <laughs> I know. It's okay. That's how they assure an uneasy truce, because if anything happens, like, they could just, like, I'm going to kill your heir, you know? Right. And it kind of takes off from there. It's in the 50s, and... You know, some latent uh, Jim Crow stuff in Kansas. Cool. Just color, color me interested anytime there's a new Fargo out. Like I said, it's instant I'm in anyway. Now it's just right. like, Fargo being Fargo. Yeah. All right, now it's time for picking what movie we're going to suggest people go watch this movie uh, this weekend. We've got three new movies that are in wide release. We have uh, the movie Dog Days. Uh, let me read you a quick little synopsis of this starring Eva Longoria follow a group of interconnected people in Los Angeles who are brought together by their lovable canine counterparts so we have that Uh, we've got we've got The Meg which is uh, starring Jason Statham a deep sea submersible pilot revisits his past fears oh his past fears in the Mariana Trench and accidentally unleashes the 70 foot ancestor of the great white shark believed to be extinct definitely seen some previews for that because they're they're pushing that hard and then we have the movie Slender Man Slender Man tells the story of a tall thin horrifying figure with unnaturally long arms and a featureless face who is reputed to be responsible for the haunting and disappearance of countless children and teens. Yeah, I've watched too many documentaries about Slender Man, so I'll take a hard pass on that one. That's the girl who stabbed the other girl in the woods, like two 13-year-olds, yeah. like 15 times or something, and she survived, and she said Slender Man made her do it. I'm just, I'm good. <laughs> take a hard pass on that. Uh, I don't know, Dog Day sounds pretty shitty. Count me in for the Meg. It looks awful, but it could be could be like piranha fun, you it, know? It really does look like a bad weekend at the movies. I only want Jason Statham to punch the shark in the face. Dr. Jason Statham. Dr. Statham. I assume he's a doctor in this movie. He's <laughs> a marine biologist, I think. Yeah. yeah, I guess out of just... I don't I don't know anything about Slender Man. I haven't heard any good buzz about it, and that, to me, tells me it might be just a terrible horror movie. So, I'm going to go with the Meg, I guess. 
There's always a chance it's like Piranha 3D was awful, but it was it was a, a hoot. The Meg definitely does seem if you're going to the theater to see a new movie, then it seems like that's a good one because it's it seems large in scale. I thought like the Meg's a movie I would want to go see at a theater, but like on a Friday night at seven in a packed theater with a bunch of like kids who are yelling. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good movie for that. But you'll miss all the important dialogue. Jason Statham going, it's Megalodon. Do you think Jaws style they use like actual <laughs> Megalodon? <laughs> <laughs> no, this thing is like comically huge. Comically yeah. CGI, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Go see the Meg or don't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just don't see the other two. Or don't. Yeah. <laughs> just be ironic and see the Meg and just say, oh, so bad and you have fun. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Pretty sure that's what Tom Cruise is running from in Mission Impossible. It's the Meg. Uh, okay, well, that's been uh, Talky Talk, the podcast for the media by us. Check out our site and see our stuff at themediabyus.com. You can follow us on Twitter at themediabyus. You can join our Facebook groups and engage with us. Uh, those Facebook groups would be Games by Us, Movies by Us, and TV by Us. Email us. Uh, if you have any podcast ideas, shoot us an email at uh, mediabyus at gmail.com. Or if you want new Facebook groups, like maybe This Is Us by Us, or The Last of Us by Us. <laughs> or the new, uh, what's the new Jordan Peele movie, Us by Us? Us by Us? <laughs> us by Us, yeah. Us by Us West. Um... <laughs> And uh, we want to... Oh, yeah, please subscribe to the podcast and or give us a rating on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, We want to thank our aforementioned bands, Burifa, August 17th at Tin Roof Cantina. And we want to thank Willow Walkers, September 4th at Smithsonian. And Eat a Mars bar. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hello.